Well, this is the first week of August, ending with August 4th, 2023, and this is This Week in Common Sense. And you're Paul Jacob. And I am. I had a vacation this week, but you still had five pieces up. So obviously something, you're going to have to remind me what they are. Well, you did some good work on the fly. Yeah, it was very much on the fly. Days. Sometimes it was barely work at all. I mean, it was hard to get. <laughs> I was in some strange places. So some some beautiful places. Yeah, yeah. The Olympic Peninsula is actually quite lovely. You know, I've never been over there. Um, I've been on the other. I've been on Gig Harbor. Isn't that kind of in the south of? Uh, That's in the Hood Canal region, I believe. Puget and, Sound area. Right. Right. And that's nice. Yeah, but the Olympic Peninsula nice. has really sharp, pointy mountains, and that's nice. I like that. I like that. Well, talking about not being sharp, we should just go right into our first commentary this week, which was 19 seconds and counting about uh, minority leader, used to be majority leader, uh, Mitch McConnell, who just froze at the mic uh and didn't say anything didn't really make any move for 19 seconds and finally other republican senators came up to him and and said you know hey are you okay and do you have anything else you want to say to the press because you you know stop mid-sentence and he was let off and he came back a short while later i understand and and uh and spoke to the press briefly and of course, we had uh, uh, some footage of of uh, Diane Feinstein uh, kind of giving a speech instead of she was just supposed to vote yay or nay or whatever. And and uh, in the end, someone said vote aye, and she said aye, and then seemed very very pleased with herself that she got the vote right. Uh, this is this is a. a this is like wrong on so many levels. These people deserve better. And and don't get me wrong, I don't like these people. <laughs> I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna overdo the they deserve better, but every human being deserves some respect. Getting old is not always pretty, it's not always fun. Let's have a little respect in the same way that with children let's have a little respect they're kids and and you treat them a, a little bit differently and you know i think most of us would not want our parents in these situations we don't want ourselves in those situations we'd want our kid to go dad no don't do that hey maybe we ought to go somewhere <laughs> you know don't don't go back to the press don't don't run again for the Senate for your 18th term or whatever and your 37th year. Um, and that doesn't happen. And that's sad. And of course, in this day and age, n there were numerous comments at the website and uh, people bringing up Fetterman. You know, we have pretty much decided that the person who's physically and mentally unable to do the job who's on our team is better than even a reasonable, you know, more reasonable than your average person on the other team who's got all their faculties together. Um, and, and look, in some ways, I can understand the reasoning. 
it's not as you know i mean look you, you don't want to really fit you know guy who's going to ruin the country i think sometimes maybe we we're a little you know the, the country continues to be you know not fully ruined thank goodness but this is terrible for them it says something about us that we don't get the hook and say come on let's let's be reasonable but we we have these people running the country we have you know joe biden i think a lot of us question myself i'll just speak for me but i I'm, i know there's a lot of other people like you tim uh who don't think he's up to the job he's got the nuclear codes you know this is not it, it's not just hey you know other people have to kind of work around him this guy is the president of the united states and you know diane feinstein was blocking all kinds of things from happening now thank goodness in a sense because most of it was stuff that since Repub since democrats control we didn't want to happen anyway and of course had republicans control we probably wouldn't want them to do whatever whatever diabolical things they had in mind but um but this is really a serious issue these aren't the only two cases. We've got lots of this. Um, and in North Dakota, the same activists that, uh, and some legislators are uh, a part of it, uh, that did term limits last November. Uh, and I, we, we wrote about the fact that, that uh, the North Dakota Secretary of State tried to block the petition from getting on the ballot, and they challenged it and challenged the... The, the, you know, the term of people challenged the Secretary of State. It went to the Supreme Court. I figured the fix was in. I think it was, uh, I think the, the commentary was the fix wasn't in because the Supreme Court voted unanimously to put the term limits for the state legislature on the ballot, one big in November of last year. Those same activists now have a initiative measure that will make it to where if you're running for federal office, House or the Senate, uh, if you will be 81 years of age before the end of the term you're running for, you are not permitted to run for that term. And uh, to me, it's a it's you know a distant second place to term limits uh, because term limits. You I mean sometimes you're going to get older people who have all their faculties together, and if they're going for one term, even if it's a six-year Senate term. Um, you know, and, and one, you would hope other people around them would say, hey, Fred, you know, I think, yeah, I think you may need to go see a doctor, uh, you know, in, in a world in which everything isn't isn't politics, live or die, you might see all kinds of things that would be possible. But the real key here is these are people who are staying in because they've been in for decades, for decades They've tasted that power. They have wallowed in the waters of that power. They know nothing but that power. And so this is this is kind of the worst sort of uh, what gerontology or whatever or gerontocracy. Yeah. You're referring to a piece you wrote last week, right? This North Dakota thing. No, this was uh, Monday. Well, you, you mentioned that on Monday's piece. OK, OK. Okay, very good. It's it's been it's been a tough week for me. I, you know, I wonder if we didn't talk about it just briefly though, last podcast because I don't remember it's, it may it's, have it's uh, so because it kind of a lot of it happened last week. So, but what I do remember is the movie I thought of when Biden was running for office, 
and that was the Manchurian Candidate. And the movie, I think, of now, which is Weekend at Bernie's. So yeah. we have moved uh, in direction in the country. We've gone from one of the great tragedies of, of modern suspense movies to one of the silliest comedies ever made. And America <laughs> certainly has progressed. Oh, it's... Uh... It is, uh, you know, we did not talk about uh, Trump's indictment this week, and we'll probably talk some about it next week. I actually read uh, the indictment, um, which I was <clears throat> really kind of surprised with. Usually, um, yeah, I've read a number of indictments. They usually are powerful. Even though there's a lot of legalese, it's they're alleging things and it's like, oh, and here's the evidence for it and so on. And here, a lot of the words were that he that President Trump said things that he knew were false. And a lot of the evidence that he knew they were false is that other people told him they were false. And so it just strikes me as a, you know, it, it strikes me as a case that's not yet ready to bring that maybe you need some other things to show. And of course, part of this case, they, they uh, pierced the uh, attorney client privilege. Um, you know, uh, I believe it's John Eastman who's, who as an attorney, the, the, the judge in a, in a, another case ordered the, the communications from the attorney to be public. You know, it's kind of like I, the Catholic Church is probably a little bit better because they don't they don't let their priests, you know, tell the cops what somebody said in in confession. And it's you know, it's they've held it up against you know, and it's reporters who don't don't tell their sources. Um, apparently, uh, uh, the sometimes judges are going to tell lawyers they have to they have to basically break their oath to their client and geez that seems like it, it again it seems like we're entering new territory and it's it's interesting to me that that when it comes to trump so many people are that trump brought us to this new territory and and granted you know in in terms of behavior in certain ways and mannerisms and and willingness to go that much further sure but in the grand scheme of things, uh, there's all kinds of new territory that we're going to to fight Trump. Uh, and and you know, the, well, the whole you know the media has always leaned left, but the whole just complete, you know, we will refuse to tell you any news that doesn't make the Democrats look good. That's a problem, and it's it's more pronounced on you know, the networks and MSNBC and CNN and in the New York Times and the Washington Post than it is on Fox News. Um, in fact, you know, there's, there's uh, and of course the right is is moving in a, enough different directions at the same time these days that there is going to be some conflict there. Um, but, uh, but, in, in, but that's in, in essence to its credit because the left, is moving so continually left that it loses people because I don't think I mean if you're a moderate Democrat you got to kind of have given up the the any the thought that you're going to make the the party somehow you know more mainstream I mean the last time someone tried to make the Democratic Party more 
mainstream, it was Bill Clinton. And and he always, to his to his credit, um, was able to play a mainstream politician on TV um, better than most Democrats. Well, now we do have RFK Jr., who is applying a very different critique to his own party. So we'll see where that goes. It's not right wing so much as it's just against the current trends, it seems like. Yes, he, I think, is earning some respect on the right because he's willing to go up against the, you know, just what looks to be a monolith on the on the left. And and he's very engaging. He's he hears what people say and he responds and so on. And and one of the things I like about him, and, and I could be wrong about this, I don't know him personally, but I have a certain level of trust that his motivations, even if you know he he may have all kinds of things screwed up in his head, I don't know. But he's he's not in this for the money. He's not hell bent on being a politician. He's not trying to win the most friends and please the most people. I mean, it's just there's so many things that you look at it. It's it's uh, you know, there are people who would say of Donald Trump, you know, he doesn't need the money. He can't be bought off and so on. And and, you know, there and, and I think there was some real truth to that. You know, there's he's also a narcissist, just like all the others. <laughs> you know, there's some real truth to that. And and Bobby Kennedy Jr. could be a narcissist in some ways. But he's the most thoughtful narcissist and the and the narcissist most able to hear what people say and respond of anyone I've ever heard if that's the case and I and it, it strikes me that he believes sincerely what he's saying and and that alone I mean in the land of everybody's corrupt he believes sincerely in what he's saying as king he's not someone who's going to bend over to every you know every interest group or that kind of thing and I don't see him as a narcissist at all, but then I don't know a man. Uh, I'm not a big fan in a sense. Right. Uh, in, in one sense, I'm not a fan of RFK because, well, for one thing, he said things that almost preclude him from me. For the same reason I didn't vote for Trump in 2016, I don't think I could possibly vote for RFK. Uh, I mean, I don't think you get to do cer and say certain things and then get a reprieve right before the election because your opponents are so awful. Someone asked me with Biden if I was... If I was weighing, this is in 2020, if I was weighing what he's saying now about criminal justice or what he or his track record, <laughs> I kind of suggested, well, <laughs> this might come as a shock, but I'm weighing his track record even a little bit more than I'm weighing what he's telling us right now. Your second piece of the week, correct me if I'm wrong, I could get this all balled up, but it looks like it's the way we censor now, and this is what you're going back to your favorite subject now, China, but it's about software and surveillance, right? Yes, it's it's about U.S. companies basically building software and and reworking it and making sure it works and so on to help the Chinazis hold people in detention. And uh, and it's not it's not honest work, um, but there's you know it it's it's also you know I thought there were some interesting comments on this piece, uh, and it, it's 
because we we start talking about these companies and what what the Chinese Communist Party is is doing and having them do, um, but but then of course we've got the same sort of government pushing around you know private businesses in the U.S. Um, or in collusion with them, but however you want to look at it, the uh, the Facebook stuff that's come out, uh, as this piece points out, where you know they're they they're questioning that you know we've we've gotten some of the we you know the greater we, but but some of the folks who've gone to court on these issues, they've gotten stuff that just you know in this piece, why are we censoring these comments? And we have another piece later in the week that we that we do, uh, where you know again they're censoring comments, and they're censoring comments that are true. This is uh, the the uh, Epoch Times uh, had a piece that that basically was talking about the Facebook files, and um, and the fact that you know they were you know. President Biden came out in 2021 and had the audacity and the dishonesty to suggest that Facebook was killing people. And how they were killing people, if you'll recall, is that they were not censoring the their platform in the way that the president of the United States asked them to. Now, you could imagine a scenario in which... Facebook is maybe not the biggest player, but a smaller player. And maybe it, it has a niche audience. And maybe that niche audience has a religious difference from the majority of the country. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's a they have some ethnic difference. And maybe there was some incident in the past or whatever. You could imagine the government putting pressure on them in a way that's even more than putting pressure on, on Facebook. If it's like, it seems so many in the media and in academia and in places that used to believe in free speech that want censorship, we've got to say, we've got to not allow people to say anything that we haven't ahead of time said, that's the right thing to say for you at this moment. And if it's not, then you don't get to say it. That's the, the sort of society they want. And, and you know, it's, it's just incredible that, that you know, you, you hear about this. I'm not the only person talking about this on the right, but you hear very few people talking about it on the left. And it's why I think uh, Matt Taibbi and, and Glenn Greenwald uh, are just, you know, I just have such respect for them in that they they have basically managed to, you know, piss off people on the right and the left as they've talked about things. But it's, you know, it's interesting to see uh, Glenn Greenwald, who who left where, wherever he was working to start The Intercept to create a platform where where writers could and journalists could talk about issues and be free to you know, say what they think was then had his pieces censored as on the, on the run up to the 2020 election. And, uh, and now of course, you know, you see him on Fox more than anywhere else 
that, that you see him. And you don't see him as much now because Tucker Carlson's not on Fox. And uh, and that's, you know, I, I as we've, we've talked about Tucker lots of times. Um, and I've mentioned that it's never been a boy. That's my favorite guy in the whole world. But I think he's brought information to me through the television set that other people just haven't. It's just uh, they've got little scraps here and there. And he's he's got this, you know, wonderful spread of, of great information. And part of it was bringing people like Glenn Greenwald. And uh, and and part of it was having a little bit different uh, viewpoint. You know, I remember back in the days of uh, people, younger people won't remember Crossfire, but it was a long running show uh, on CNN. And it was people on the right and left. And it was, you know, it's like right at five o'clock and they're arguing back and forth. But there was a time in which. Uh, you had people on there like Pat Buchanan and Bob Novak and Bill Press uh, on the left who they didn't always take the Republican line, hook, line, and sinker, or the Democratic line, hook, line, or sinker. And years later, when when uh, John Stewart uh, made fun, of, and that Tucker Carlson was on then, and Paul Begala, was a time in which I think that they basically seem to take the party line every time. And then of course it comes to Fox and, and I think, you know, I mean, well, he got pushed out at Fox and he got pushed out for a reason. And the reason wasn't because he said, you know, this or that radical thing, I think, um, because they've had, they've had to say a lot of different things. I think they didn't like his politics and, and it wasn't a, a matter of, uh, gee, we like your politics just fine, but it's hurting our bottom line. It wasn't hurting their bottom line. Their bottom line was doing fine. They didn't like his politics. And you've been talking about your fifth piece of the week, melting in the force of opposition. Let me repeat that. Melting in the force of opposition, because that's where you talk about the uh, the Facebook files. It's kind of interesting to see how the Tuesday and the Friday piece are linked. Yes, yes, very so, much so. So that's three of five. We had two other pieces, and uh, I, I won't belabor them a, a whole lot. We had a piece, Slow Murder is Still Murder. It's not about murder, other than murder of our uh, electrical grid and our ability to have energy. You know, I think we're going to need lots of energy for a long time. I think we're going to need more energy next year, and I think we're going to need more energy than that the year after. And, and, uh, and this piece is just there was a there was somebody basically working for fossil fuel, you know, institute pushing the idea who, you know, basically said, hey, you know, maybe we should slow down on the on the stomping on fossil fuels and and basically subsidizing energy, wind energy, solar, other things that basically aren't reliable to keep us heated and cooled all the time. And, um, and we just point out that, you know, it's, it's, it's okay uh, to say, stop murdering me. And that there is some value to fossil fuels and, and 
one of the things that's interesting, a number of comments uh, on this piece, uh, we didn't mention nuclear energy. And nuclear energy is, I think, uh, you know, if, if I get to vote, um, I, I like nuclear energy. I think it makes a lot of sense uh, to be doing, you know, doing more of that. But I, I think that's because it does produce energy that you can you can use and that you can have on all the time. Well, it's reliable energy, and I think the more modern methods of producing it are better than the older methods. Uh, you know, the reason we went down the road in nuclear power that we did is largely because the United States needed to create plutonium in the process for nuclear bombs. I think that we're going to find that uh, nuclear power is going to be safer in the future, and it's certainly more reliable than wind and solar. I mean, solar is better than wind, but uh, both of those have huge problems also with disposing of the product after their life right. is over. Right. And uh, so it's not as if you know nuclear power has the, is, has the sole problem is the spent fuels. Well, the spent solar panels and the spent huge uh, windmill parts are just really hard to dispose of and all the nuclear waste on the planet is not that much right i mean you could you could fit it in a, a big warehouse on wednesday you had accounting for taste and i'm not sure what that is it was an interesting title because it's people's taste in the country of china oh okay. and <laughs> and i i came across a uh, pew research poll and then two other polls both of which turned out to be pew polls as well and the first one basically asked Americans, you know, what, what foreign country scares you the most or are you most concerned about? 50% of the respondents were China. 17% were Russia. So three to one, China over Russia, even though we're engaged in a proxy war against Russia and, and not so with China. But the fear was was much greater there and then that led me to another poll that was a of asian americans and it basically looked at all these different groups uh taiwanese chinese korean japanese indian uh vietnamese, filipinos what now vietnamese that, as well vietnamese uh that are americans and their views on their own country and other Asian countries and the United States of America. And, you know, believe it or not, the United States of America does really well. Maybe we should send some people to a vacation in Asia and then when they come back, they'll like the country better. Uh, but, but anyway, um, I, I, I looked at this poll and it's interesting that every single country has a very positive the the people from vietnam even though many of those people were escaping what they thought was certain death and torture and terrible situation the vast majority have a good opinion of vietnam today uh and a good opinion of the u.s the only group that wasn't that way were chinese americans and the majority of Chinese Americans, or not, I shouldn't say it that way, it was a plurality and slightly more liked it. I think it was 31% liked China, 28% didn't like, had a negative, 31% had a positive, and then the rest was undecided. Uh, but it was the only country 
that didn't have 50% and had 31% that liked it. It was the only country that didn't reach 50%. And, um, and I just thought that was very interesting. And then I bump into another poll and it's of 24 different countries, also done by Pew, Pew Research, on their opinions of China. And all of these polls are, are within the last year, um, or year, maybe 16, 18 months. And uh, this last poll, the uh, basically every single country polled, except for three, uh, Nigeria, uh, Mexico, and I'm, I'm going to forget the third one. What was the third one? I think it was another African country. Nigeria, Mexico. Oh, it's in the piece. We're going to find oh, it here. I thought we were done, so I put it down. Isn't that awful? Well, my memory's not what it once was. Kenya. It was, it was another African country. Kenya, Mexico, and Nigeria are the only three countries to give china a positive rating the people in those countries that were polled and then in in basically all the other countries they didn't have positive in 17 of the 24 uh the there were at least 50 percent or more negative on china and what it's what it says to me and the reason i put it out there and and i there was enough enough meat to it that I didn't spend a whole lot of time, you know, massaging it and spinning it and just made the, the point at the end that apparently genocidal totalitarianism isn't very popular on this planet. But it's important, I think, because so often people will say, well, this is just the U.S. that wants to, you know, the, you're just, you know, a, a USA, USA channer who wants to be number one, and so you won't recognize China. It's just a different system, but they have some good points, and we have some good points. And frankly, look at what they've done, you know, here in this glowing city over here. And it's people get it. It's like when Reagan went to the Berlin Wall and said, tear down this wall. And people who know anything about that know the backstory was that everyone was telling him, don't, you can't say that. And he ended up in the end, he, and he it was, they kind of felt like he wasn't going to say it, and he said it. And it was maybe one of the most powerful things that any, in terms of its impact on the world, that any modern, certainly American president has ever said. And the reason it had such a smack was because it was true. And everybody knew it was true. And that's, like a lot of times, I don't know exactly what the perfect policy is with China. But I know that they're basically a Nazi country. Um, and I don't mean the countryside and the trees and the people. I mean the CCP, the rulers, just in the same way it was in Germany. It wasn't the, wasn't the, the Alps and the fine people making cocoa in, in Germany that were the problem. It was the Nazis. And it's the same thing in China. I know that if we keep that in our head, the other decisions we make will be 
better decisions if they're informed by that. And that's why, you know, we will, I've pointed out in other scripts and we'll continue to point out in commentaries that this is common sense.org that, uh, you know, that China is run by a Nazi clique and, and it's a problem because otherwise we start to get into the, well, don't we want better relations? No. With Hitler, do you want better relations? No, you don't. You want different relations. And, um, and, and we have to help make that happen. Well, that was a week. Are we, are we ready to wrap it up? Or do you want to talk about something else for another few minutes? Well, I don't have anything right off the, the top of my head. Did you like any of the thoughts of the week I put up? Or was this a, was this a lackluster I, week? Well, I don't know about that. I was so busy this week that I did not really look at the thoughts so much, but I did pull one because in looking through some stuff, I saw it and I thought, oh, that's kind of, uh, I like this. It's Daniel Defoe. It is better to have a lion at the head of an army of sheep than a sheep at the head of an army of lions. And what I like about it is I think it's worth thinking about because I didn't immediately go, oh, well, of course. Um, and the more you think about it, the more true it becomes. Normally, the lions eat the sheep. So uh... that's part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I, we got some pushback on, on, the, on, the, on the Facebook about, about this quote. But, you know, the purpose of the thought isn't to agree with it so much as it helps you think. Yes. And, and I'm not sure what to make of that, but I did like it. That's why I put it up. I liked it. I'm not sure I have an opinion on it, but I just got kind of like yeah, it. Yeah, it's well, one of our best ones was, uh, and you'll remember the guy maybe, but the guy who said uh, the letters, the same letters that make up the word silence make up the word listen. And, uh, and that, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't have any of our political bent on it. But it's just true, and and people appreciate it because you know it does remind them to shut up every once in a while, I'll let somebody else talk, which is what I think I'll do right now. So I'll play the music, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, man. Okay, bye. Bye.